You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 381, Keys to Telling a Great Story. Now, the reason I'm doing this episode is I get a lot of questions about the novels that I've written. Questions like, well, how do you come up with a story? How do you develop characters? How do you, how do you know when enough is enough? How do, you, how do you tell a great story? And, you know, I've been writing novels now. I've got uh, nine out. I've got a tenth one getting ready to come out. I'll be talking more about my new book at another time, but... Um, so I really do. I get a lot of feedback from my, 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 the, those who enjoy reading my novels. And so, so I thought, well, let me just go ahead and answer some questions because the reality is if, if what you read on the internet is correct and it's obviously it's all, it's, it, you know, everything you read is not correct, but a lot of people, in fact, some would say a majority of people feel like they have a book inside of them. Maybe they want to write, uh, their memoirs because they've had, some challenges in their life and they want to help others. Or maybe they've got a great story themselves, a novel. Or maybe there's something else they want to write. Maybe they want to do a, a how-to book on how to play the guitar or how to start a business or whatever it is. A lot of people want to want to write a book. A lot of people have thought about writing a book, but they don't know where to start. So for those who who've, have thought about writing a story, for writing some kind of fiction, I'm going to give over this episode and probably over the next episode, I'm going to give a number of ideas, a number of keys on what it takes to tell a great story. Number one, number one is we always want to take the reader somewhere. Uh, when you read a novel, when you pick a book up, when you start reading a story, if after, you know, the first eight, five, five, eight, ten, fifteen pages, you haven't gone anywhere, and you're not going anywhere, and there's no promise of going anywhere, you're probably not going to keep reading. If if you watch a movie and it doesn't give any promise of progressing towards a goal, um, to, to deal with a problem, whatever it might be, you're probably going to lose interest very quick. So, so we want to take the reader somewhere. Let me give you an example of this. Um, You've probably seen the movies. Hopefully you've read the books for The Lord of the Rings. Phenomenal series. Started off with the first book, uh, The Hobbit, and then um, he he developed this, this whole series about this ring that one of his characters found. But in both novels, you're going somewhere. The Lord of the Rings is a much more developed, much longer series. In fact, it's a marathon to read. But oh my gosh, it's so good. But remember what we're doing. Remember what uh, the character's doing. Frodo, he's taking the ring, this evil ring that, that, that will allow him to disappear, become invisible. 
but he has to destroy it. So that's the story. He's taking this ring. He has to throw it into the fire, but he has to get there. So it's a journey. Where is he going? Other other books might take you on a journey of a relationship. Maybe it's a a, a romantic comedy or some type of romance novel. Um, there's going to be a journey in their emotions as they develop feelings for each other and the relationship develops. That's a journey. That's fine. But you've got to take your reader somewhere. Number two, what memorable characters can you create? You've got to have memorable characters if you're going to create a great story. In fact, I would say of everything we're going to talk about, this is one of the most important because people will forgive your story for not being as good as others. Maybe they'll forgive some holes in your story if they like your characters. If you create characters that they can relate to, characters that they they love to love, characters that they love to hate, characters that they're cheering on, characters that they can relate to, they're going to stay with you. So what kind of characters are you creating? And obviously this is both good and bad. Um, on, on one of my novels, somebody, actually a friend who, who had read one of my novels said, you know, you create the perfect villain. And I said, well, what do you mean by the perfect villain? He said, you just hate them and you can't wait for them to get their final resolution or whatever it is. And, and I thought that was great because you're not neutral. Um, what he was saying was when, when, when you read this particular novel, and obviously probably several of mine, um, the, the, the characters I've created, and especially some of the bad guys, um, you can't wait until you know justice is served on them. And I thought that's good because you don't want to be neutral. Um, you, you don't want to be neutral in the characters. So you want to create people characters people love to hate and people... Or characters that people love to love. Now, I'll give you an, give, give you a few examples of some memorable characters that have become, in some ways, ingrained in our society. Think about James Bond. Now, typically, when we think of James Bond, we just think of the movies, the 007 movies, which they're usually all really, really good, except the last one. Uh, but the, the James Bond character was created by a man named Ian Fleming. It started with novels. It didn't start with movies. And so in fiction, he created this man who was bigger than life, who always got the girl, usually several of them, and uh, always was dealing with these, you know, bizarre, crazy criminals, megalomaniacs who wanted to take over the world or destroy the world and, you know, always found himself in difficult situations, but somehow was able to survive. And so James Bond is actually, even though he's a, he's a British character, uh, Ian Fleming was British, but really he's become kind of a, ingrained in the fabric of our society um, and the society of the world, really, because there's not many places in the world where you would go or if you were to say the name James Bond, they would know exactly who you were talking about. Um, I mentioned the, the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, but Bobo, or excuse me, Bilbo Baggins was the, the Hobbit who found the ring in the Hobbit, and in that they're going to, uh, you know, deal with the dragon and recover some treasure, um, all kinds of good fun. <clears throat> but he was the character, a memorable character, fantastic character. But then his, his, I believe it was his nephew, Frodo, 
became the, the, the hobbit who was given the task of destroying the ring. But again, these are guys who have become such a part of our society because of the novels and also because of the movies. But out of that series, um, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, one of the most iconic characters didn't even start off as a main character. Uh, Gollum, who, who was the man who was transformed into a monster because of his lust for the power that this ring gave him, uh, Gollum uh, really became one of the, 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 the most iconic figures in the movies and also in the novels, especially in the novels. In fact, in The Hobbit, he, he didn't have that big of a part in The Hobbit. Um, the original novel, he, he, he had a smaller part, but because of the reviews um, that the author got, he, he really went back and gave him a much larger role in the next novels in the series. So, so by all means, if you haven't read The, the Hobbit or the, the, the Lord of the Rings, um, you know, the Fellowship of the Rings series, check it out because it's fantastic. Um, what about in, in C.S. Lewis's fiction? If you've got children, um, hopefully you've read them and not made them watch the movies. Read them the stories of the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, these are phenomenal books. Um, even adults enjoy them. But remember this larger-than-life character, Aslan, who represents Jesus. Um, we, 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 you know, for, for those in the Christian world, um, his name is, is synonymous with um, this great lion who, who represents Jesus and who dies a sacrificial death and is raised from the dead. It's, it's, it's an incredible story. And again, if you haven't read them to your children, I encourage you to do so. And then one more, um, talking about villains. Um, what about Dr. Hannibal Lecter? Even if you haven't seen the movie or, or read the novels, if I say Hannibal Lecter, you probably have an idea of who I'm talking about. He was the, in the psychological thriller, The, the, the Silence of the Lambs. Um, of course, you know, the movie was, was made after the book. And he was the cannibalistic um, uh, criminal who, who pitted, pitted his wits against the, the FBI agent. Fantastic, fantastic villain. So well done. So we want to create memorable characters. We want our characters to, to outlive us. We want our characters to, 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 to stick around. Um, you, you know, I've noticed in the reviews on my, my Amazon reviews on, on uh, when, I, when I look on Amazon, often people will talk about my characters. In fact, I have <clears throat> one reviewer who had read all my uh, my first uh, series as a six book uh, zombie series, and just the comments that she made. She obviously enjoyed the books. I don't I don't know this this woman, but I appreciate her reviewing my books. But she was so invested in my characters, she actually commented on a relationship between two of my characters, a male and a female, and, and, and said things like, well, I'm just not sure it's going to work. I'm not sure she's right for him. And I thought, this is amazing that a reader is that invested in my characters. So anyway, um, and, 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 if, and if you want to kind of get a taste of it, feel free to check out my novels. I'm going to mention a couple in here, here in just a minute, but or mention one in just a minute, but... Creating these memorable characters, um, how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we create these memorable characters? Um, you know, obviously, your imagination, but what I've found that works for me is I typically, uh, my characters represent people, often a compilation, two or three characters uh, or, or two or three people that I've known in my life 
will form one character. Sometimes sometimes one character or one, one person that I've known will form one character, but a lot of times it'll be a compilation. Two or three people that I've known will become a character in one of my novels. And, and I find this helps me because, you know, we all know people. And we all know interesting people. People in your family, people you work with, people you're in the military with, people that um, are in your neighborhood or just friends. Interesting people. And when you take those interesting people and, and you maybe combine some of their personality traits with others, you can end up with some very, very memorable characters when you decide to tell a story. All right, don't go away. We'll be right back. I just wanted to let you know this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by one of my novels, Storm Clouds Rising. Now, Storm Clouds Rising was uh, the first volume in my second series. This series is called the Chuck McCain series. He's the lead character, and um, so much of the, 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 the plot centers around him and his, his teammates. But the, 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 this particular novel, Storm Clouds Rising, I'm not going to give you all the, the, the plot details, but what would happen if a key figure in the government had visited a movie producer's island where he had sex-trafficked women. It almost sounds like something out of the news, doesn't it? And you know what I found is the news actually inspires so much of what people write. And so this idea of what would happen if this producer, this billionaire producer videotaped all of the clients who visited his island where he had these women who, underage women, who serviced these very powerful people. What would happen if he videotaped them without them knowing about it and now had the power to blackmail them? Well, that's kind of where that novel goes. And my main character, Chuck McCain, he's a former SWAT team leader with a police department. Um, he's a former uh, MMA fighter. He's uh, got a tactical team that does different jobs for the government. Again, I'm not going to give too much away, but uh, people have loved this character. They've loved the people that he works with, and I think you would really enjoy the twist and turns of Storm Clouds Rising because when I talk about somebody in the government this thing leads right towards the White House. So what would happen if something like that were to take place? So Storm Clouds Rising, click on the link. You can actually read part of it for free. I think you would really enjoy it. All right, so so far we've talked about, we're talking about keys to telling a great story. We want to take the reader somewhere. Where are you taking them? Um, I've had people, you know, give me give me books before to read. Hey, would you take a look at my manuscript? And I typically don't do that. I just don't have time, but I have in the past. And, you know, there have been times I've had to go back and I say, listen, you gotta, you gotta do a little more here. It's just too slow. You gotta, you gotta speed it up a little bit. There's gotta be something going on. Um, I don't care about the color of the paint in the room and the, uh, the color of the flowers and the smells coming out of the kitchen. I mean, those things are important, but, but it's much bigger than that. Take me somewhere. Let me know, or at least give me the promise you're going to take me somewhere. 
And that leads to uh, to number three. Number three is, oh, well, actually, number one was taking the reader somewhere. Number two is creating memorable characters, as we talked about it. Then number three is we want to create great dialogue. Listen, dialogue is the thing that draws people into the story. If you want people to stay with you, you create great dialogue, and they'll stay with you to the end. What I've found is in, in some of the manuscripts that I've been asked to review, there'll be pages and pages and pages of the narrator telling me what's going on. The narrator telling me that this person did that. The narrator telling me that this person did that and why they did it. There's a place for that. There's absolutely a place for that. I do that too, but not pages and pages and pages of it. Your characters should tell the readers what's going on through their dialogue. The dialogue is going to be so helpful to the readers because you're going to pull them in and they're going to understand more of the story. And I'm not talking about the information dump dialogues. We've all <clears throat> seen that and we've heard that where one character says, well, as you know, Ed, the reason that we have to do this is thus, thus, and thus. That's, that's too obvious. Don't be so obvious. Don't be so obvious. Create great dialogue and tell your reader what's going on through the conversations. Again, there's, there's definitely a place for the narrator to talk and explain things. Um, you know, we all do that. But your dialogue, and it's got to be good dialogue. Um, I'm, I'm always amazed when I read novels, when I read dialogue, and it's just not realistic. That's not, you're, I'm reading it going, that's not the way people talk. People don't talk that way. It just doesn't even sound normal. So so put your dialogue together. If you're you're using a, an American Southerner, if it's set in the South, you know, there should be some euphemisms related to the South. The grammar, when I'm reading it, I should be hearing a Southern accent. If you're writing it and setting it in Boston, I should be hearing a Bostonian accent when I'm reading the, the dialogue. If it's set in London, uh, my, my last novel, actually part of it took place in England, and I worked really hard. I don't know that I got it all right, but I worked really hard talking to some people and, and listening to some things because I wanted the dialogue to sound very natural. Um, several of the dialogues were between an American man and a British, British woman. Um, he working for the CIA, her working for uh, the British MI, MI5. And so trying to... To, to have the right dialogue. This guy's an American. Has he? What does he sound like? She's obviously British. What does she sound like? Because they're not going to sound the same. So the reader, as they're reading, they should hear this dialogue. They should hear the lilt of the, the British English. Um, so, so work on creating the right kind of dialogue. And then number four, and we'll stop with this one today. Number four, what conflict or problems do your characters face? Now, this is a big deal because if there's no problems, if, if uh, uh, Frodo Baggins was able to make an easy trip to throw the, the ring, to climb the mountain and throw the ring into the volcano, as it were, you know, if it was just a nice, easy walk, no problems, no drama, wouldn't be a very good book. But as you know, if you've read the books or, or watched the movies even, you know that, that his journey was fraught with challenges and obstacles, being attacked, 
um, by by orcs and and and, and all kinds of other creatures. Um, the the heavy pressure that he felt of carrying this thing, the 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 demonic forces at work, if you will, um, the pressure weighing on him. So there were and, and then there was the internal struggle. Well, why am I the one doing this? Um, can I do this? Am I strong enough? So so because of the <clears throat> excuse me the drama that he faced, it made it much more enjoyable. Um, when you read the book of Jaws, if you've ever read the novel Jaws, great, great novel. Of course, we think of the the, the movie, but the the, the novel. Um, actually, I think I read the novel before I ever saw the the movie, and 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 the novel was just so powerful um, because at that point, this idea of great white sharks um, attacking people on a, a coastal. Um, uh, resort area was was unheard of. I mean, it had happened before, but uh, this actually brought it to the forefront. And uh, Peter Benchley, who was the author, he did a great job of creating the tension in this book um, because, of course, you've got the chief of police who's trying to save people's lives, but you've got the mayor so who's who's saying, no, no, you can't close the be- beaches. This is our busiest time of the year. The the people will go somewhere else. We'll lose all the the tourist money. We've got to have them here. We can't close the beaches. And so there's the tension there. And then of course you've got this great white shark that's that's eating people. So so it's a very very uh, well put together suspenseful plot. And the 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 main villain's not even a human. It's a, it's a, it's an animal. It's a fish. It's a shark. So. So we've got to create conflict. What problems, what conflict do your characters have? If you're writing a, a romance novel, um, what's going to be the thing that that pushes them apart before they come back together? I mean, you see it in every novel. You see it in every movie. There's there's something. Maybe it's an old girlfriend shows back up or an old boyfriend or maybe there's a, an argument over something. But But there has to be some kind of conflict. If they just meet and fall in love and live happily ever after. I mean, that's nice, but nobody's really going to want to read it. There's got to be some tension. There's got to be some conflict. So what is it? What are you creating? What what obstacles, what challenges are you putting in front of your characters that we're going to read want to read about? How are they going to overcome this? What are they going to do? When you watch, you know, the, the, the read the James Bond novels or you watch the movies, he's always at some point in that in the, in that movie or in that novel, he's coming face to face with death, usually several times, but there's usually that one point where there's no way he's going to get out of this. I've got you now, Mr. Bond, and and uh, you know he, he he's going to be strapped to something. He's going to be uh, locked into something. He's going to be in a fight that he's not going to be able to escape. And yet somehow he always prevails. But we want to see. We feel the tension. How is he going to do it? How is he going to survive this time? So, what conflict or problems do your characters face? So, just a quick recap. We want to take the reader somewhere. We want to create memorable characters, both good and bad. We want to have great dialogue, have them talking to each other. But realistically, what is what what what, what a, how do people talk to each other? And then number four, what conflict or problems do your characters face? Well, I'm going to stop there. I will do another episode of part two next week. But I'd love to hear from you. What do you think of these four that we've talked about? Um, have you started writing a story? And if you have, 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 have any of these four tripped you up? I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com, leave a question or a comment in the comment section for today's post so that we can stay in touch. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. Don't forget to check on, click on the, uh, 
the resource highlight link for Storm Clouds Rising. Like I say, click on it. You can read the first part for free. See if you like it. And, uh, and then by all means, grab a copy for yourself because I know you'll enjoy it. And like I say, I've got book four coming out here very, very soon. So friends, we'll see you next week on Leading and Learning. <laughs>